Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Live from the palatial yet not overly ostentatious studios of CBS Sports Radio here in beautiful New York City, sitting on top of the 10th floor of 345 Hudson Street. Welcome on in to a week 11 and a Thursday edition of the Zach Gelb Show across all of our great local CBS Sports Radio affiliates, Sirius XM, Channel 158, the free Odyssey app, and of course, streaming on YouTube. 855-212-4CBS is the number to jump on in. 855-212-4227. You could always get at me on the good old cesspool of Twitter or on Instagram where I'm straight flexing at Zach Gelb. That's Z-A-C-H. G-E-L-B, got Moist Mike and also Stuart Kovacs along the other way. And we're rocking and rolling all the way up until 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. And we will have Leslie Frazier, the former head coach of the Minnesota Vikings, former defensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills, and now a NFL Network analyst stopping by at the top of the hour. And then at 5.20 p.m. Eastern, 2.20 p.m. Pacific from CBS, college football analyst Barrett Salee will stop by. Let's start with the football game tonight. A good, intriguing, on paper, fun Thursday night football game. Al Michaels should have great energy. Al Michaels should not be falling asleep during these games. And Al Michaels should be fired up because you have an AFC North showdown, in my opinion, even if the records don't suggest this, for the Cincinnati Bengals. But I do believe these are the two best teams inside the AFC North. That's not being disrespectful to the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's not being disrespectful to the Cleveland Browns. But when I look at in an offensive league in the year of 2023, these two offenses, what the Ravens have with Lamar Jackson and what the Bengals have with a healthy Joe Burrow is just better than what the Pittsburgh Steelers have with Kenny Pickett, who has an embarrassing six touchdowns on the season. And then the Cleveland Browns are starting to heat up. Maybe Deshaun Watson was starting to knock off a little rust from basically missing the last three years of football. And then we discussed that yesterday. He's going to need season-ending surgery with that shoulder injury. 
So now you look at all four of these teams. We know the Ravens have a kick-ass defense. We know Lamar Jackson can be the MVP of the league. We know for the Cincinnati Bengals, they have an underappreciated kick-ass defense with Lou Anarumo. We know their quarterback, when healthy, he's one of the best players in the sport and the second-best quarterback in the NFL. You look at the Steelers, you look at the Browns, Steelers, great defense with T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith. The Browns, great defense with Miles Garrett. But then when you look at their offenses, yikes. The Pittsburgh Steelers, what do you got? The Cleveland Browns, what do you got? But when you look at the importance of this game tonight, the Ravens can distance themselves and further distance themselves from the pack inside the AFC North because right now they are the top dog at 7-3. and three. But you look at Cincinnati, even with me just saying Cincinnati on paper is a top two team in the AFC North, this is a monster game for them because we thought they were getting back in the right direction. I said the Bengals were back. They were cruising after that very slow start, which we've all grown accustomed to the last few years, where last year they started off 0-2, still got to the AFC title game. This year they not only started off 0-2, at one point they were 1-3, and and then they went on that win streak where they won four in a row, taking down the Cardinals, taking down the Seahawks, taking down the 49ers, taking down the Bills. When you go through that stretch and throw out the Cardinals, but when you look at those three victories against the Seahawks, the 49ers, and the Bills, that is as good of a three victories in back-to-back-to-back games that you will see by an NFL team this season. And then you're in a back-and-forth game against the Texans where you go and score a touchdown early. Then Texans fire back 20 straight unanswered points. Then you get right back in the game, and it looked like you were going to find a way to pull that game out and maybe take the lead if it wasn't for a wide receiver dropping an easy touchdown. You have to settle for a field goal. And then in back-to-back weeks, we saw C.J. Stroud do his thing and quickly matriculate that ball down the field and find a way to go win the contest up against the Cincinnati Bengals. So now the Bengals go from being back to now, I don't want to say this is a must-win, but this is a game where if you don't win, you throw yourself back into that 500 category, and it's like all the work that you just did to get back and to show that you guys are trending back in the right direction could all be for nothing. Not that their season is over. Not that you need to pull the plug on the Cincinnati Bengals, but it once again throws you in that grouping of teams that are fighting for a wild card spot. And who knows? Like You could go get 10 wins, and 10 wins may not get you in for that seventh and final wild card spot. Because if the season ended today, Kansas City would be the one. They're seven and two. Baltimore would be the two. They're seven and three. The Jaguars would be the three. They're six and three. The Dolphins would be the four. They're six and three. Your three wild card teams right now would be Pittsburgh at six and three, Cleveland six and three. They both play each other this weekend, Sunday, one o'clock. And then you have the Texans at five and four. But after that, you look at the teams that are just on the outside looking in Bengals five and four, Colts five and five, the Buffalo Bills. Five and five. Somehow, some way, Stu's Las Vegas Raiders are five and five. And then there's some teams that still have a chance 
even if they're below 500 with the Chargers at four and five, the Jets at four and five, somehow, some way, the Broncos at four and five. There's really only two teams in the AFC that you look at and you say, don't have a shot to make the playoffs. Now, I'm not sitting here and saying, oh, if you're a Jet fan, you should expect to make the playoffs at four and five. Or if you're a Broncos fan, you should sit there at four and five and expect to make the playoffs. But you have a chance. Because look at the Bengals, and I know it was earlier in the season, and you lose that margin for error as you get closer and closer towards the end of the season, and we're already in week 11. But if you go on your own three-game win streak, four and five quickly turns into seven and five, and then you're alive to thrive the rest of the NFL season. But the only two teams that don't have a chance to make the playoffs, really, in the AFC, and it's crazy how jam-packed we are, are Tennessee at 3-6, and six, and then my pathetic New England Patriots at 2-8, and eight, and I hope they say in that final spot in the basement of the AFC, and I'll take it one step further, I hope they're in the basement of the NFL. I hope they are the 32nd team in the NFL this year because I want that number one overall pick, and I want that right to make the decision. Is it going to be Caleb Williams or is it going to be Drake May when it comes to the quarterback of the future for the Pats? So this game is more important for Cincinnati tonight. On Monday, if we were having a conversation and you said to me, Zach, who do you think wins this game? Coming off for both these teams' losses, where the Ravens choked it up against the Browns, where they snatch victory, uh, they snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. You look at the Bengals, even though at times it looked like it could be a blowout, they got back in the game, they had a chance to win the game, and they dropped the ball. On Monday, after what was a crazy week 10 of the NFL season, I would have said to you, I think the uh, Cincinnati Bengals win the game. But as the week has gone on, and when you start to identify and pay attention to the gambling line, The gambling line in this game makes no sense. Yes, the Ravens are better than the Cincinnati Bengals. You usually are a three-point favorite when you are at home. And if you are a three-point favorite, that's Vegas saying, we think these teams are even. But when Vegas makes this Baltimore minus three and a half, I think this is Vegas begging you, absolutely begging you to plus the points with the Cincinnati Bengals. Because if we just did a quick poll, what do you think the final score of this game is tonight? What are most people saying in an AFC North showdown? 17-14, 23-20, 27-24. Most people are saying it's a three-point game. And that's what I think Vegas is banking on. Now, the Bengals could win this game, win by three points, And no one gives a rat's ass if you're a fan of the Cincinnati Bengals because you won the game. But when I look at that number, that extra half point, that extra hook, usually people would say, oh, plus the points, I like it. It makes me, and I'm not the greatest gambler in the world, so maybe you should just fade me and you'd actually win some money. But it makes me think the Ravens are going to win this game tonight. And the Ravens being at home, not that the Bengals can't go into Baltimore and win, We've seen the Bengals go into Kansas City and win a football game going back to two AFC championship games, um, you know, two years ago. But when I look at the Ravens, the Ravens are a team where they're good, where before the year, I didn't pick them to make the playoffs because I didn't know what their offense would look like with Munkin, 
Um, I was concerned not about Lamar in terms of can he be great because I've always been a supporter of Lamar, but can Lamar stay healthy? And with a healthy Lamar Jackson right now, I like the Ravens tonight. I like the Ravens to go to 8-3, and and the Ravens have exceeded expectations this year because the Ravens outside of last week looked like the top team in the AFC. And if you don't want to say the top team, you can't say that they aren't a top three team in the AFC because right now it feels like not that it's a two-team race because anything could happen in the AFC and Cincinnati makes the playoffs. They're going to be a threat. No one's going to want to face them. But it is clear through the first 10 weeks of the season, the two best teams in the AFC are the Kansas City Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens. So I will trust the Baltimore defense tonight, and I will trust Lamar Jackson at home to make enough plays. And the Bengals, their injury report is very intriguing to me. So T. Higgins is out tonight, the wide receiver. Andre Yosivash who has had some success as a rookie out of Princeton, is out as well. Sam Hubbard out for the Bengals. But the Bengals released a little video the other day. And in that video, there was some wrap or bandaging around the wrist of Joe Burrow. Now, Joe Burrow has not been on the injury report. We've seen before quarterbacks play hurt. We know Burrow earlier in the year was playing hurt. And I still think Joe Burrow is going to have a good game tonight. But when you factor in the three injuries I mentioned, and then there may be something that the Bengals already deleted because the video has gone viral. When people zoom in and they get real creepy and they zoom in and they're like, oh, this video's out there. What the heck is that bandage on Joe Burrow's wrist? So I do wonder if it will play a factor in the game tonight. How bad is that injury if it's even an injury at all, or maybe we just looking into it too much. So I'll take the Ravens tonight in this game. I'll lay the three and a half points. I love so many time touchdowns tonight, like Mark Andrews. I got to think Jamar Chase is getting in the end zone at plus 135. If I'm taking the Ravens, you know I'm going to take Lamar Jackson on any time touchdown as well. But I think we're going to see a really good game on Thursday night football. But I'm going to go with the Baltimore Ravens pulling it out. And let's say I'll take the Baltimore Ravens by a final score of 27 to 21. So they will win the game tonight and they will cover the three and a half point spread. What say you about this game? 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Who do you think wins tonight between the Bengals and the Ravens? And are you at all concerned about Cincinnati where a week ago we all proclaimed them to be back, then they lose to the Texans, they lose tonight, they'd be sitting in at 5-5. Five and five. And it's kind of crazy, because remember last year, and this is, you know, looking at the other conference in the NFC, heading into last year, we really thought there was probably only three teams that could get to the Super Bowl going into the season from the NFC. Those three teams were the Green Bay Packers, the LA Rams, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bucs were lucky they played in the NFC South, and they limped to get into the postseason. The Rams missed the postseason, and the Packers missed the postseason as well. Going into this season, I asked you a question, who are the uh, the three teams in the AFC you would trust the most? Most people would say Kansas City, Buffalo, and the Bengals. 
And if the playoffs were to start today, only Kansas City would make the postseason. Cincinnati would be on the outside looking in, and the Buffalo Bills would be on the outside looking in as well. And both of those teams are going to have to have to go compete their ass off in the final weeks of the season, already in week 11, to have a chance to make the postseason. And it starts tonight for the Cincinnati Bengals. They get to 6-4. and four. Man, a lot of people are going to be praising them, and everyone will be back on the Bengals being back. Come your way tomorrow. When they, uh, if they can, walk away with the victory tonight. All righty, we'll take a break. We'll come on back. We now know the Draymond Green suspension. It's only five games. I'll react to that on the other side. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You can stream the NFL on Westwood One for free, sponsored by AutoZone. All season long, you can listen to every Westwood One broadcast of the NFL live on the NFL app by asking Alexa to open Westwood One Sports or on the Odyssey app. Get in the zone, AutoZone. The free AutoZone Fix Finder service can help you Find a fix for free. Get in the zone. AutoZone. Restrictions apply. So in the least surprising news ever, the NBA barely holds a player accountable. The NBA still has a spineless commissioner in spineless silver. And they give Draymond Green another slap on the wrist where they say, yeah, we'll suspend you for five games. Draymond, hopefully you learn a lesson this time. Like, give me a break here. At Draymond Green learning a lesson, that will never happen. Because if it hasn't happened yet, it will never happen. And it's pathetic that the NBA said, we're only going to give you a five-game suspension. And you know what? My frustration really even shouldn't be directed at the NBA. It should be more so directed at the Golden State Warriors. Because Steve Kerr continuing to lecture us and continuing to make it be everyone else's fault but Draymond is an absolute joke. And we played you the audio yesterday where he said, oh, well, Draymond was just defending his teammates and it was Gobert who put his hands around Clay Thompson first. Like, what? What are you talking about? Steve. Go back and watch. You had the incident between the player and the Timberwolves and Klay Thompson. They're going back and forth. They're tugging uh, back and forth. And then you have Rudy Gobert when it got into the middle of the court and it was a lot of pushing and shoving go on. He was clearly trying to put an end and to de-escalate this situation. That's what he was trying to do. But then the moment... and. 
Rudy Gobert may have just stopped this thing, and Rudy Gobert may have put his hands on Klay Thompson, not even in a malicious or violent way, like anyone with a brain can see this, for a half second. Like, we, you can't even say one Mississippi until Draymond comes in and further escalates the matter, and there's the line, and he crosses the line. Because that's what this guy does every single time. And I know maybe this is a different era thing because there could be people that watch basketball in the 70s and the 80s and the early 90s that will say, back in my day, this was nothing. A suspension, this is absolutely absurd. And there is part of me that's like, okay, it is good for the sport. It is entertaining. We're not talking about that Warriors-Timberwolves game in all likelihood if there wasn't this fight. But I just go back to the Warriors And the Warriors are just so gutless. The Warriors have their tail in between their legs every single time when it comes to dealing with Draymond Green. They put his kitty gloves on. They get sensitive. They're afraid of his emotions. And they just enable him. And I get it. Draymond is a really good player. I don't want to say great. But Draymond is a really good player. He is great at his role. Draymond Green, whether you like it or not, will be a Hall of Famer one day. But just because you used to be something, just because you used to do something at a really high level, doesn't mean that the Warriors still need it. Doesn't mean that the Warriors should still enable it and tolerate it. And this is the part where if the Warriors weren't getting burned by it, then okay, you could live with it. And there was a time where they weren't getting burnt by it. But ever since, really, the NBA Finals against Cleveland where they blew the lead, that's when it started to get taken to a different level where it went from being a positive to ending up affecting the team in a negative way. And we sat here yesterday, and we talked about what should the NBA do. And I think Stu said 10 games. 10 would have been fair. 10 would have been a fair number. Now, when Stu said 10, just naturally, I was like, nah, tack on five more, give him 15. Because how many times, whether it's stomping on a player kicking a player in the jewels, or now choking a player and putting a player in a headlock, are you going to allow Draymond Green to get away with this? And it's amazing because Draymond always plays the victim card. The Warriors always never call out Draymond Green. Heck, he punched a teammate in the face. And Steve Kerr's the head coach. He knows how dehumanizing and embarrassing that is. When you get punched in the face, at least Steve Kerr got punched in the face by the great Michael Jordan. Jordan Poole got punched in the face by Draymond Green. And still, even after punching a player in the face, they were afraid to really do anything to Draymond. Instead, they brought him back and shipped Jordan Poole out of town. And I said it last year. I said in the offseason, I'll say it again. This team would be better off without Draymond Green Thank him for what he did. 
Thank him for winning those championships. Your number will be retired one day. You'll be in the Warriors Hall of Fame. You'll be an NBA Hall of Famer in the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. But aren't you supposed to play, uh, pay players for the future? Not what they did in the past. And it made zero sense to me why they brought him back. So Draymond's going to miss five regular season games. I know he doesn't get paid. It doesn't matter to him. He'll enjoy the vacation. He'll enjoy not playing in the regular season because he knows the Warriors. The regular season is irrelevant. It's can you go win a championship and can you go dominate come postseason time? And you can mark my words, and this is the easiest guarantee I'll ever make, there will be another issue with Draymond Green. The Warriors will enable his behavior again, and it will come back to bite them in the you-know-what because it's been the same endless cycle for the last four or five years. Warriors win a game. Then Draymond does something stupid. The Warriors put their kitty gloves on, are afraid to punish Draymond Green. Then he crosses the line. Then he does something stupid again. Then it hurts the team. It's just the same cycle over and 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 over again. That's what happens. So I'm not going to sit here and go, oh my goodness gracious, I can't believe that Draymond Green would put his hands around the neck of Rudy Gobert. And oh my goodness gracious, I can't believe Steve Kerr is a coward. And Steve Kerr won't actually hold this player accountable and will go after everybody else but Draymond Green. And oh my God, I can't believe that Spineless Silver only gave him a five-game suspension. It's almost as if the energy of me caring and the energy of me being irate has been like sucked out of me. Because when you see the same story, once again, over and over and over and over and over and over again, why should you be surprised? And nothing ever changes and nothing ever will change. It's amazing to me. It really is how this continues to happen. And people still continue to defend Draymond Green. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Let's go to Ramon in Indy next up on the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. Hey, Zach, how you doing? Thanks for taking my call, and I agree with you 100%. I like your take on, on Baltimore. I uh, I think Odell Beckham then will put it together a little more. I think they will be the second-best team. But Draymond Green, uh, I thought it should have been 25 games. Wow. Uh, hear me out. Hear me 25. Out, That's hear a bad – you know, I, I'll let you finish. But even me saying something needs to be a punitive action and needs to send a message, 25 is a pretty big number, but go ahead. You know why? You just talked about the recidivism, talked about the history. John Morant, who didn't cheat, he didn't take drugs, he didn't touch a soul, he didn't kick anybody, he didn't hurt anybody. He was given 25, supposedly, because he repeat offended, and he got 25 games. Now, how in the heck does Draymond not get 25 games in with everything you just said and all the repeat offending and then grabbing a man and maybe cutting off his uh, oxygen supply from his carotid artery? He should have got 25 games like they did. Because Josh shouldn't have got 25 games. There's no way in the world. He didn't cheat, touch anyone, kill anyone, beat a woman, slap anybody, or anything like that. And yet he got 25 games. So Draymond, I thought, should have got 25 games. I'm throwing that out there to everybody right now. Let's be fair about this. Think logically. Don't think emotionally, people. Look what happened to John Morant. And then look at this. Thanks for taking my call. Ramon, appreciate the phone call. That's actually two days in a row where we've had someone reference John Morant. I don't think this is an apples-to-apples comparison. John Morant was on social media, on Instagram, 
And he was in a club originally, a strip club, flashing a gun. And the NBA, right, said something. And then immediately afterwards, where he's lucky he didn't harm himself or somebody else, he is twirling around a toy gun or not. I know that his camp said it was a toy gun. Right after getting humiliated and getting talked to by the NBA, he's twirling around the gun again on social media. So I don't think the Draymond situation is comparable to Ja Morant. They're two totally different things. And what I'll say on the Draymond thing, and now I'm going to be defending Draymond, and I hate to defend Draymond. Let's uh, settle down, Ramon. Even though we had Rudy Gobert in a headlock, Rudy Gobert was never in danger of having his oxygen cut off where he was going to pass out and die. Like, (laughs) that just wasn't going to happen. You know, I'm all good for a little drama. I enjoy a sitcom. I enjoy um, a good reality TV show. Even the scriptwriters for that stuff wouldn't try to sell you that Draymond was cutting off the oxygen of Rudy Gobert. So I just don't see the comparison to what John Morant was doing and what Draymond Green was doing. The only point that I think is valid there is just maybe, maybe here, you could say, well, the league told John Morant not to do something again, and then they had a more severe or harsher penalty, even though I thought it was going to exceed uh, exceed what actually ended up happening. And for Draymond, this is now not just a repeat offender, but like a repeat offender on steroids. So if that wants to be the the crux of your argument, okay. But I don't think comparing what John Morant did to what Draymond did is necessarily apples to apples. It is the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. We'll take a break. We'll come on back, 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. We return We'll update you on some of the biggest stories in the world of sports with some audio. We call that segment the News Brief. But first up, looking like a college basketball coach today. This is a very nice quarter zip. I think you were ready to call some plays on the sideline. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. So I need a logo. If Bryant didn't hire Martelli's kid after Grasso, I would say put in your your, your application hack. (laughs) I'm waiting for Power (laughs) 5. I'm waiting to see which which of the cycle will, will churn somebody out. Yeah, he's you know? you're waiting for some coach. Maybe Kyle Neptune gets fired at Villanova oh, coming off that loss start. to Penn. Oh, it's a tough start for the poor guy. Good guy, too. He is. I, I like Kyle Neptune a lot, but I can see Act coaching some college basketball. Here he is with the latest CBS Sports Radio update. Right. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, it is the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. We'll put the news brief on pause I told Samter right before the start of the show that at some point during the show, there's going to be some Michigan news that drops. Someone close to the situation reached out to me and they said, just be prepared. There's some things that are going to be coming down uh, the turnpike. What I was kind of expecting from that conversation with that person, that this was going to end with Harbaugh accepting the suspension. 
And that is what transpired. From my understanding, um, there was not a good chance that Harbaugh was going to get the injunction. So I guess they negotiated with the Big Ten and you kind of put an end in some capacity to this. I'll explain why in just a second. But here's the official statement. This morning, the university, Coach Harbaugh, and the Big Ten resolved their pending litigation. The conference agreed to close its investigation And the university and Coach Harbaugh agreed to accept the three-game suspension. Coach Harbaugh, with the university's support, decided to accept this sanction to return the focus to our student-athletes and their performance on the field. The conference has confirmed that that, that it is not aware of any information suggesting Harbaugh's involvement in the allegations. The university continues to cooperate fully with the NCAA's investigation. The reason why I laugh is when it said, yeah, Jim Harbaugh wanted to take this uh, distraction and kind of lay it to rest. It was because they were not going to win anything in court. They were not going to get the injunction. And when you already win a game without Harbaugh, even though Harbaugh's allowed to be with the team during the week, just can't be there on game day. And you already beat Penn State. Sure, you want him on the field. Who cares about Maryland? but you want him on the field for Ohio State when you already won one game and you basically just emasculated another team by all you did was just lining up the football and lining up your offensive line and say, we're going to run, 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 run until the game clock is out. It's almost as if you say, okay, we already served one game. Are we going to want people to continue to dig? Are we going to want people to continue to leak information And have more things come out and not kind of put this story on pause. Because this doesn't end the story. It ends the Big Ten's punitive action. It ends the Big Ten's investigation. And if you listen to everything that Michigan has said, or anyone that Michigan has used to speak on their behalf that's in the media, Michigan has never said that they were innocent here, really. It was more so... We want due process because it was really unprecedented for the Big Ten to just swoop in and so quickly with how slow the conferences and also the NCAA moves to issue a three-game suspension. So when that all goes down and that all plays out, after already serving one game, knowing that Connor Stallions did something wrong, And I would imagine Michigan has said there's no leak or link to Jim Harbaugh. And I don't know how they would prove that. Obviously, the Big Ten or the NCAA doesn't have any evidence that Jim Harbaugh was aware. Now, I'm not an idiot. Even though I like Michigan and I've uh, defended Michigan, do I think Jim Harbaugh had no clue? I'd be the biggest fool on the planet. And I'd have no integrity if I got on the radio and said, yeah, I think Jim Harbaugh knew nothing. He had to have known something. Now, could other coaches on the staff may have known a lot more? That's that's possible. So what this does for Michigan is it puts this story away for now. It puts it on the back burner where it takes them out of the news until Harbaugh comes back. And let's say they beat Maryland, they beat also um, Ohio State, and they go to the Big Ten championship game. That's going to be talked about. 
going into the Big Ten championship game, especially when Tony Petiti may have to hand over that Big Ten championship trophy to Jim Harbaugh, which would be awesome and which would be epic, and I would absolutely love it. And when you have basically a few weeks of nothing to talk about with a bunch of irrelevant bowl games and you're waiting for the semifinal, assuming Michigan is there, it will get talked about. But now, accepting the three-game suspension doesn't make this a daily story. Where the big question here now is what will the NCAA do? Because once again, in that statement, at the back end of that statement, it does say the university continues to cooperate fully with the NCAA's investigation. What I think a lot of people forget here is the NCAA already had a pending issue with Jim Harbaugh and Michigan. It goes back to the cheeseburgers and the recruiting violations during COVID and the permissible uh, contact, all that stuff. All that, as Deion Sanders, Coach Prime would say, bull junk. Because that's what it really was. Like, this is more serious what occurred with the Stallions sign-stealing scandal than, oh, Coach bought some recruit a cheeseburger at the Brown Jug or coaches were involved in... Uh, with players when they weren't allowed to during some non-contact period during COVID. All that ridiculous nonsense. But since Harbaugh, if you remember, it was talked about before the start of the season that they were going to agree to some suspension. The suspension that Harbaugh served in the beginning of the season was a three-game self-imposed suspension by the university. That was not from the NCAA because the NCAA, the Committee of Infractions, they wanted Harbaugh to basically walk out to the podium and say, I was wrong, this was on me, I'm a liar, blah, 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 blah. And he was never going to do that, nor should he. Now, you could argue, if you get the NCAA off your back, maybe this stuff with Stallions never even gets out. Or you could argue... Maybe you want to defuse the situation, but it wasn't really with the infraction going back to the the earlier thing and the earlier punishment. It wasn't really the infraction. It was Harbaugh wasn't bowing down to the NCAA. And everyone knows this. If you follow the NCAA, if you don't bow down to them, if you don't tell them what they want to hear, if you maybe lie to them or they think you are lying to them, They will go after you because the NCAA, they are a bunch of petty schmucks. That's what they are. They pick fights that are so stupid in terms of picking fights. They like to escalate minor things. So now, here's where this thing is all backwards. The conference, the Big Ten Conference, is already done with this. The Big Ten Conference already suspended Jim Harbaugh for three games. So the reason why I'm bringing up what happened in August and September is, does now the NCAA want to swing their you-know-what around and basically say, well, we're still going to give you an extra game or two for the earlier stuff, and now we want to go after you even more for the Stallion stuff, where you would think, even though it's two separate things, 
that there would be one punishment for the sign-stealing scandal. So the Big Ten moved first. The Big Ten blinked. The Big Ten issued Harbaugh three-game suspension. Now it's what does the NCAA do? Now the NCAA, they move like snails. They move very, 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 very slowly. That's what the NCAA does. Now, the issue before the start of the season, I think that's going to be an extra game or two. Now, I'm pretty sure Michigan next year, they have a monster game week two. I want to say it's up against Texas. I could be wrong on that. So let's see how much the NCAA wants to swing their you-know-what around when Michigan's not going up against a cupcake team. But Michigan now has beat Penn State without Harbaugh, won their first three games of the season without Harbaugh. If they beat Maryland and Ohio State without Harbaugh on the field, it's like you're not going to be shaking in your boots over a two, three-game suspension at the start of next season. So I'm just fascinated by how much more of an axe to grind the NCAA has here. And also another thing. Paul Fine Bum, he's back to being Paul Fine Bum. He's really starting to uh, really agitate me. I saw he was on with Dan Patrick today, and this just shows you how much of a loser this guy is. He went from defending Jim Harbaugh to then like 48 hours later saying, oh, that was the biggest mistake I've ever made in my career to defend Jim Harbaugh. And now he's being a little coward. Now he's butting his tail in between his skinny legs. He said to Dan Patrick, I will refuse to recognize Michigan as the national champs. I was taught that athletics should be an even playing field. And to me, they are not subscribing to that. Paul, you're a loser. So you're telling me when this is now laid to rest, when they have suspended Harbaugh for three games, and Michigan really only had two games on their schedule in the regular season anyway, and this was a clean game against Penn State, and you have a clean game coming up against Ohio State, You're telling me they win those two games, and then let's say, I don't know, they beat Florida State in the playoff, they have a clean game, and then they have another clean game because everyone knows what's going on now, and everyone has their signs changed, and Michigan can't continue to do this. I don't even know how much advantage it was to begin with, and then they go beat Georgia in the national championship. We're going to have to deal with this jackass Paul fine bum on ESPN on Get Up with Greeny. Oh, Greeny, you know, uh, uh, Michigan just won the national championship but I'm not going to acknowledge them as as the NCAA champion. Oh, you are such an insufferable loser. You are such an insufferable loser. Oh, my God. Flip-flop, fine bomb. How quickly did you flip-flop on this? You went from leading the charge to defending Jim Harbaugh to now you're going at the guy. And you know this. If this was someone in the SEC, Paul Feinbaum ain't saying this. No chances he's saying this. He's waving that SEC flag because he's an SEC honk. Give me a break. So that's the bottom line on everything with Michigan now. He'll serve the two-game suspension, allowed to coach the team through the week. Can't coach the team on game day. And then we'll see what the NCAA does with the two other issues that are still at hand. This sign-stealing scandal and then what was happening before the start of the season, which was a self-imposed three-game suspension by the university to one Jim Harbaugh. Now I do wonder, here's the fair question. Does Harbaugh still leave after this season?
Because the unknown of what the NCAA is going to do, maybe that drives him out, or maybe that makes him say, well, I already kind of got away with this in like the thick of this on a three-game suspension, and I'm going to serve it. Maybe it does drive him back to Michigan. Because remember, before all of this even came out with Stallions, there was one report out that they were closing in on a new extension and a very lucrative extension for Jim Harbaugh. So something to chew on. We'll do a news brief later on in the show. It is Zach Gelb show on CBS Sports Radio. And we come on back, former Bills defensive coordinator and NFL head coach Leslie Frazier will join us. Back in five. 